welcome to The Cinema Nerd Presents. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with Dylan Shore to launch our Halloween fest. We're going to do a bunch of scary movies because we like movies and Halloween. And uh, we're off to the races with I Know What You Did Last Summer. Dylan, what did you do last summer? Worked. <laughs> <laughs> so not murder? No, nope. I hate to break it to you. No murder. Well, there goes my theory on who done it. Before Damn. we get into I know what you did last summer, should we talk about some other flicks? Have you seen anything else interesting? Yeah, I just uh I finally watched the other two How to Train Your Dragons. Oh right um, on. Yeah, they're enjoyable movies. They're they're pretty good. Do they train do they ever train the dragon? Yeah, in the first movie. Oh, <laughs> I don't know where we go from there. Well, the second one, you explore more of the world and you find out there's a shit ton more of dragons and that there's like this fucking, like, fucking dragon rider who has this crazy mask. Turns out it's Hiccup's mom. Yeah. All right. I'm sold. Wait. I'm going to watch them anyway. Yeah, they're I love fun. a crazy mask, man. Definitely. Uh, and then I rewatched. I'm Thinking of Ending Things again for the third time. Uh, sure. That Charlie Kaufman movie. We're just uh, launching into uh, our next miniseries over on Filmography, and we're doing Charlie Kaufman as writer and director. Oh, so you got three movies. No, 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 no. We're doing him as a writer. We're doing him oh, as a writer and director. And director. Yeah, so we're okay, going to go so. through, you know, we're we're excited to watch some weird movies, man. Did you cool. enjoy the revisit? Oh yeah, the third time. Like I I had my theories on the first one, second one kind of confirmed a lot of them and then opened up some new ones for me. Sure. And then the third time, my big reveal again comes in the third act and I was like, "Oh my god, I fucking fully get this story." Like it's a deep deep story and if you the third act will really throw a lot of people especially if you don't have a connection to Oklahoma the the play the musical right right yeah or the movie like I've seen the play twice yeah like a high school rendition of it <laughs> and then I've seen the movie a few times as well and like the more I watch it I'm just like I see all the parallels that he is pulling from it and it is very good interesting yeah. All right. Well, I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to watching that one because I haven't seen it yet. But all of these movies have a, a lot to be revealed and always reward a repeat. You know. Uh huh. How about Anything you? Else? Uh, Matchstick Men. Just rewatch that. Love I like that, that one. Oh yeah, it's so good. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. All right. Fun. Fun. Um, I got just a couple I want to talk about. Um, I revisited the 2001 Planet of the Apes. Uh, yeah, I did the same about three months ago with my buddy. Okay. And uh, hadn't watched it since I was a kid. Like, I've had the DVD just like, but the other ones are so much better. Why would I ever put on this one? The I was like, you know what? The movie is so, so good. I mean, I like those movies a lot. This but uh, we put on Tim Burton's, and man, it's a hard one to get through. The only redeeming quality is Tim Roth and Paul Giamatti. 
<laughs> I think Paul Giamatti takes the cake. Tim Roth is like, he's good for me, but it becomes really one note. Like he just does that lingering yeah, finger fair. thing to everybody. But I like that he really chews the scenery. <laughs> I mean, I do too. I, you know, what else are you going to do with that thing? He's wearing a giant ape costume. I mean, dude, the costumes are super cool. They are like, really good. Else, the makeup effects are amazing is really what I'm trying to say. I, mm -hmm. I just like, I, I was fascinated by it. Like at every turn, I wanted to see what was going to happen next, but I was compelled by how... <laughs> uncompelling the decisions are and like from the opening scene of Wahlberg with the monkey the chimp it is awful like it is not entertaining your dialogue is really dumb and Wahlberg is really bad too in this like I'm not saying he's the greatest actor but he can be good yeah and, he's got a thing that you know like the departed is a great example of what he does when he's like chip on his shoulder guy yeah, he's or, awesome. or uh, what's the uh, the one with Will Ferrell? Um, the other guys, guys has, yeah. you know, great Mark Wahlberg stuff. Well, he's got something to prove. I'm into it, but as uh, anything, whatever. Yeah, and I think the movie just falls on Tim Burton. Like everything lies on him. Every like the makeup, visuals, cool, but your story decisions were not a good choice. There's just yeah, almost nothing there. Even plot wise, it's um I, yeah it's really light on plot you know and the themes that do come up are swiftly ignored and you know and it, it's rehash it's been done like everything they're trying to say in that movie has been done in the original movie sure sure and that doesn't mean you can't like that it's not worth saying again or saying it in a, a context of our current day or at least what the day was then but for whatever reason, there's just, there's none of that. And it like, I'm having enough fun because there's really incredible ape costumes. And like, at one point there's a, you know, a orangutan smoking a hookah. So, and Helena Bonham Carter, like jumping up on the bed, you know, yeah, with yeah. Her, like waving yeah. her fists, mania. <laughs> whatever yeah, yeah so that movie is bonkers and it, i just like also hadn't seen it since 2001 and my <laughs> that's kind of all i can say about that my, 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 my. um how about this one that i liked kind of more than i expected to and i don't think it's a great movie but i don't know it's like maybe the last good Cameron Crowe movie? How about this? What's the last good Cameron Crowe movie? Um, not Aloha. It's not Aloha. Uh, which I, I didn't think was like that bad, but it wasn't that good. <laughs> it's not good, man. No, I uh, think it's bad. I I only saw it once. I like I was just like, yeah, it's it's a bad Cameron Crowe movie. Uh, I think. I, I, the last one for me that I thoroughly enjoyed and is very sweet is We Bought a Zoo. And that's why we do this show together. <laughs> I watched it yesterday and was like surprised by how reactive I was to the emotional notes in that movie. It's also very light on plot and it's like super dumb and it's kind of two movies fighting with each other. But man, when it 
works. It, it, it really it works. Notes, man, especially the ending. Yeah. When he's taking his kids to Little Dom's right up here uh, on Hillhurst. Totally. And uh, he's showing them where he met their mom and that whole conversation of 20 seconds not? of insane bravery. I'm oh. here. I got 15 seconds left. And it's, oh, it's so good, dude. It's it, so shouldn't be, good. it shouldn't work at all. It's so sentimental and schmaltzy, but it, yeah, <laughs> loved it way into it had a had a great time with it so yeah cool i'm glad uh glad you was that your first time seeing it i believe so i think like i kept having the experience of, like have i seen this before and it feels like a movie that maybe was on an airplane or you know but no it's the first time that i consciously watched this movie and internalized what was happening you know so yeah first time essentially and then the last one I want to talk about is Mr. Right with Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell. From oh, I've heard of this. I haven't seen it, though. Dude, it's a blast. Really? Yeah, it's, you know, kind of at this point by the books, crime thriller. Like, it's essentially gross point blank for the first half. Okay. In, except wow. Sam Rockwell's not hiding that he's a killer. He's just like... A totally crazy guy so when he comes back in the room and is like yeah sorry i had to murder two dudes in the parking lot uh anyways i really like waffles she's just like yeah this is eccentric dude and mm -hmm. then it you know she gets on board at some point but the real deal is that sam rockwell and anna kendrick are two of the most charming people in hollywood and they're just having a flirt off at each other this whole movie okay. It's a bl and then there's like you know shit blows up and he kills some guys and there's is it snappies. anything is it, on is it on Netflix Amazon I don't know okay um I'll probably have to rent it but track I'll add it down it to dude I I think it's I think it's totally worth it I really do not regret a moment of my time with that movie all right Fucking yeah on. that's what I got that's what I've been up to lately I'm just glad you loved We Bought a Zoo. Dude, like, I am too. I'm so glad you said that. Movie. I think it's so sweet. It really, like, the mom stuff works super well. The moment that, like, I don't know if it sealed it for me, but, it, like, none of it should land as hard as it does. But, like, the kid gets his the, the horse on the poster, and he's like, I've always been your fan, dude. And I'm like, yeah, see? He's trying to encourage the gifts in the right direction. and That was a good Matt Damon. Yeah, I've always been a fan, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, secretly Matt Damon, and uh, I just go by the alias Kyle Woods. Cool. Yeah, man, I'm glad you liked it, too. That's a good one. All right, shall we jump into uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer? I Know What You Did Last Summer. What do you... Do oh, next summer. Next summer. Don't know. We'll see what's going on with the pandemic in the world. Fair enough. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about this summer. Let's talk about I know what you did last summer. What so um this is a movie I remember having a lot of affection for. And I still have a lot of affection for it. Okay. I have a lot of affection for, but watching it this time, I kind of hated it. And I'm gonna inform that by saying that I've also in the last month watched Dawson's Creek for the first time and so 
I fully hate Kevin Williamson. Like, I think he's maybe a bad person. <laughs> so I, that's how I feel. <laughs> um, just uh, the stuff wait, that... I'm so sorry. You just made me laugh so hard. And I really have to pee now. Can, can you pause for a second? I really have to pee. Right. made my coffee hit my bladder. We'll, oh my God. <laughs> we'll take a break and come back. All right, Whoa. let's jump back in. Okay, so sorry. So no, sorry. Don't be sorry, man. I'm, I'm glad we're having a, <laughs> a good time with a bad man. Because uh, I'm going to disagree, but yeah, okay, keep going. <laughs> okay, this will be fun. I'm going to like demand you defend this man. Um, so, I'll defend him right now. Scream. Okay. Scream too. Yeah. So those, like, those I really like, and they're and really good. And I think avoid some, and indulge in some very Kevin Williams, Williamson-y things. So I'm going to give some credit to, you know, our boy Wes is at the oh, helm of this thing. And maybe he kind of understands what Kevin Williamson is doing and has the talent to do it. Whereas Kevin Williamson is doing this, the, the meta thing that he does nonstop. You know what I mean? Like he, he's incapable of telling a straightforward story fine there's some of our greatest storytellers are like that we were just talking about charlie kaufman right tarantino's another one that comes to mind where we're, we're definitely coming at this thing sideways but he his main characters at least in dawson leary and certainly the entire cast here are simultaneously narcissistic and like creepily asexual so there's like a like a real remove from most of what human behavior is and in dawson's creek specifically everybody talks with the exact same voice this movie has a little more delineation because we're playing in big archetypes and even within that structure you have permission to use the same voice because it's a teen slasher you know mm -hmm. all well and good the fact, I think this dude only has one idea and that idea is him. That's the actual problem. So here, like the, the beach where we start hearing the hook hand stories. Dawson's Beach. <laughs> well, you got to understand, this was at the time he was probably writing Dawson's Creek. And he did sure. grow up on a creek called Dawson's Creek. I'm, like, sure, I'm sure none of that yeah, surprises yeah. me. Of course so, he did. He was tasked to adapt Lois Duncan's 1973 young adult slasher novel. Okay. And he changes a good amount from the novel. This novel is dog shit. I remember <laughs> reading this as a kid and just thinking like, this isn't the fucking movie. This is dumb. <laughs> uh, and I've never been able to sell it ever i even have the script for the second one that i'll pull out when we do the second one and that's dog shit too like they change certain things in it but what are, uh, what's so what's the what are the changes because i also one of the things that drove me really nuts about this movie uh on this watch is that the mystery is fucking boring and bad and it's the wrong tone for this movie 
So I think it's actually right. I think this movie is a tone poem of 80 slashers. I, which is I wish that was true. It is. Have you seen The Mutilator? Like it's, it is almost like a remake of The Mutilator. There's a fish hook. There's, uh, it, it's playing to the 80 stereotypes without having obligatory tit shots or uh, 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 massive amounts of violence. Like the violence is kind of minuscule in this. It, like th there's only one person that fucking really dies. Right. Uh, it, uh, in the like first 30 minutes like yeah that dude on the cliff but with the hook it's uh what's his name johnny uh, galecki is in this johnny movie galecki. Uh, it, buddy. but then you get like a whole like a lot of character stuff kind of building this weird world where shit happens that doesn't make sense like galecki's body in the trunk and the crabs and how he just got them all out right like what the fuck's going on there but it also adds this weird element like okay yeah what the fuck is really going on and how could a human do this and i think that's the part where it becomes very uh that's really the only part where i'm like that that can't happen i'm not concerned with it can't happen and i like the idea of it being an 80s tone poem an 80s horror tone poem right like um I'm thinking of Neon Demon, which is not like an 80s horror tone poem, but maybe like a vampire horror tone poem, you know, or like... I'd say it's a gothic tone poem. Okay. Or so another one in that, you know, kind of different energy, but uh, a girl walks home alone at night from a few years ago. Yeah, that Afghanistan uh, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Was it Afghan? I Afghan? might have been Iranian, but uh, I'm, not, I'm really yeah, not sure. Um yeah, it, it's so, I do, I love a tonal horror, and I really like the idea of, like, a tonal teen slasher, <clears throat> but this is not that, because Kevin Williamson is not that good of a writer. You know what I mean? And so, who directed this thing? <laughs> Jim Gillespie, who's who, never really made anything. Who? Jim Gillespie? He's never made anything really big. Since. You mean Oscar winner Jim Gillespie? <laughs> I, I mean him no disrespect, but, you know, he's not Wes Craven, so yeah. he's not elevating this material, which you said was kind you, of I, I think not great you, to begin with. And you so, can't compare this to Scream, though, because Scream no, is... I'm not comparing it to Scream. Meta, and this is not meta, really, in any way. It is. It is. He can't fucking help himself, and that's why I hate it. I mean, they're they're the only reference. They don't really talk about movies. They they don't reference '80s slasher movies. The only thing they really pull from are urban legends about the man with the hook and the way that story unfolds and how there's so many different versions of it. Right. Oh, <clears throat> pardon me. That's the only thing they're savvy to. Uh, like in terms of specific media, I agree. But what he's alluding to is like the artifice of a show. So we start and stop on the beauty pageants and the parades, right? And all of the character performances are pitched, you know, like even for this type of movie, they are way, way up there. And then the cinematography has the sort of like 
slow floating moodiness of like maybe the shining or something that opening shot coming over the ocean and the song just like right so at least he's very aware of the tropes that he's dealing with and he even understands himself well enough to sort of pardon me um satire himself like at one point there's a, a where is it there's a love cue and you know there's like a a female singer songwriter that is coming in i think oh, it's that's not it. <clears throat> yeah yeah that's when jennifer love hewitt and you okay yeah yeah man i'm just trying to clear my throat uh you're talking about the cue when jennifer love hewitt and uh freddie prince jr uh like start kissing on the beach and then the music cue comes up right and then that's not his decision he just wrote this movie like that's maybe maybe i'm giving him way too much credit but the fact that we smash cut to ryan felipe putting on the metal music feels like a skewering oh you're talking about in the car because there's a whole bunch that happens in between not a whole bunch but (laughs) uh between like there is a little like cheesy song playing in the car before Ray comes in, he's like, all right, fuck this. That's the moment I'm <laughs> talking like about. Scary movie and the fucking beehive just hit him in the face. That, that is better than this. That well, joke. Comedy. No, because this dude wrote a joke in his own script about himself. That's why I'm like, it drives me nuts. Be, again, having just put all of Dawson's Creek through my brain, it's maybe not fair to give this criticism, but the amount of whiny singer-songwriter acoustic guitar I don't th- he, he just wrote this, though. You can't pull that on him. I think that's the studio and the director. The specifics, I, okay, not, maybe, but he's also Kevin Williamson at this point. <laughs> no, because Scream doesn't do that. Yeah, because Wes Craven knows what the fuck he's doing and has ideas that aren't only about himself. Um, well, you know what? We have another Kevin Williamson movie fucking coming up, so. Boy, do we. Yep. We should just add Teaching Mrs. Tingle to the list. You know what? We should just do it like a Kevin Williamson miniseries so I can scream for one month straight. <laughs> um, okay. But you wanted to know the differences from the book. And I do, yeah. what I can remember is that there's no there's no fisherman still, and he's on this cover. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, they hit a boy on a bike. And then like they anonymously call an ambulance to come get him, but he still dies. And okay. then that's what they're dealing with. And then they're getting notes and shit. And I think if, if, if I remember correctly, it's like the kid's brother that's doing all of this, trying to get revenge on them. Okay. So yeah, that's, re- I, I honestly, I have not read this fucking thing in so long. I mean, you know, that's broadly similar. We've upped the stakes. We've made it a father-son thing. Pardon me, but that's it. Is there like a mystery detour through the middle of this thing? Man, not that I remember. I remember being really bored with this. I think it's fucking boring, dude. (laughs) Like, and 
if you're gonna do so like when we get to Anne Hage as well, she's really good in this movie she's really good in this but yeah. she's in a she's like it's it's all wrong man <laughs> like she's in a different movie she's in this movie I I think she's just like so much better than this movie is so her performance even, like, is legitimately we haven't even mentioned the plot what's that we haven't even mentioned the plot of the movie <laughs> fair enough so, <laughs> you okay, want we, okay here let's uh, let's sum up this plot real quick okay <clears throat> four teens out having a good time after one of them wins a fucking pageant and the croaker uh croaker queen pageant uh, and they hit a man a in the road, being. a human being. That part, uh, gonna diverge. That part in scary movie when they're looking <laughs> for the body and they find, they do it in the movie. She holds up the boot and then they're like, "Oh my god, uh, where's the body?" And scary movie, <laughs> she goes, "Oh my god, we hit a boot. Where's the foot?" <laughs> <laughs> Can we just talk about Scary Movie instead? That movie is so much better. <laughs> we can't because it's 2000. I know. Okay, so they hit this guy on the road. They yes. think they kill him. And then they're like, uh, we got to throw him in the water because Ryan Felipe is being super aggro about it. That part then, of Scary Movie too. <laughs> Listen, if we're talking about Scary Movie, we're talking about Scary Movie. I'm sorry, movie. I'm sorry. No, we're talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> and then it turns out he's not quite dead, but they push him in the water later. Anyways, flash yep. forward a year later, and they yep. still know what you did last summer. God yep. damn it, we got to do this again next week. <laughs> oh, dude, you're really not. I mean, you might enjoy the second one a little more because it's got a... Jack Black. <laughs> awesome. Oh, okay, cool. That's exciting. Yes. Uh, I would be there to make fun of this movie the whole time. But, uh, so, yeah, they fucking hit this dude. They start receiving letters a year later. Um, they think it's Galecki who, like, saw them that night. It's not. Galecki gets fucking hooked in the mouth. Um hey, hey, hey. Uh, and then pulled across actually very violently. It is pretty violent. <laughs> like, slams like down. Very violent thing that happens in this movie. Ooh. What? That's it. That's the one oh, very that violent part. thing. Yeah. Uh yeah. The second one also has John Hawks, who Oh, awesome. Yeah, there's I like the second one, but it's to me, I don't know, it's different from this one. It's not a uh like, this is really trying to reference, like, an 80s slasher. Uh, why are more people getting slashed, goddammit? Because, like, watch some of these slashers. They're, like, not, like, watch, like, um, uh, Mutilator. Watch uh, Slumber Party Massacre. There's, there's, like, deaths. Like, there's, like, one death, and then there's a lot of just, like, them walking around, and then people start dying off later on. The, okay, but a bunch of people die in those movies. Like, you're right. We usually Everyone does die in this. Besides the two that they bring back for the second one. Yeah, fair enough. And, like, the fisherman isn't trying to really kill anyone that is not involved. Like, he kills Galecki because he was there that night. And uh, 
uh, he know like they already came and questioned him about the notes and stuff. So that's why he kills Galecki because he's okay. a loose end in a way. Sure. Okay. He's collateral damage. He was there. Yeah. I get it. Uh, so then you get to they <laughs> they find out that a body washed up on shore shortly after they did that, and his name was David Egan. Right. And uh, that's back to our opening, right? That's our, yeah, our that is the dude guy on the cliffside. Drinking a bottle, flipping like some weird coin that he has. Right. Uh, and then you hear that like uh, firework go off, but you also hear like a step behind him. So it's like he looks, but he also looks up at the fireworks. Uh, but his body washes up on shore. They think that's the man they hit. And uh, they go to his family's house where only his sister lives now, who is a very scary recluse. Yeah, she's out of her damned mind. Yeah, she's She's kind of like her whole family. What is she doing? She's like skinning fish, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, And then they learn that shortly after the body washed up that one of David's friends came to visit, said his name was Billy Blue, and they're like, oh yeah, we don't know who that is, but they start assuming that this Billy Blue is probably the fisherman that is haunting them in a slip. the killer. Yeah, and (laughs) um, uh, let's see, Barry dies when Helen has to go to the pageant again. Right, and then they do everything again that they just did. The second they do the first half of the second act over again, because this dude thinks this. Go ahead, man. <laughs> I'm raving. Uh, no, I I love Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, when the cop is escorting her. I love that whole moment of them. Uh, we have to make a detour. Go down the alley. Fisherman's there working on his truck. Cop gets out. He gets murdered. She goes on a run. She runs to her family store. Elsa's in the store. And her, her I love sister, that though, whole sequence. Okay. That, like, the sequence is really fun up until she gets to the door and her sister is, like, on Xanax, man. She's just yeah, like. Her sister hates her. <laughs> I mean, it's like, fair her enough. But, like, really she's screaming her. like she's getting murdered because she's running from a murderer. She thinks she's being dramatic, though, because she's a drama queen. They always call her the drama queen, the croaker queen. I I mean, I get it. I understand the setup of the thing. But just, like, the basic human stakes are not being met. And in a movie where we're trying to be simultaneously tonal, you got to give me... This is what I'm saying. I need it to be all, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar screaming and her sister being like, calm down, before she gets her fucking face ripped off. And there's way too much of like, again, Anne Heche and is it um, uh, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt who are talking to each other for like 40 fucking minutes in this goddamn movie. No. No, not really. It's like five still, minutes. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's probably longer than five minutes. That scene is well, way too long. Are you talking about the scene with Sarah Michelle Gellar in it? Like the first time they're there or when Julie goes back to Anne Heche's house? Exactly. There's too much of it, and it doesn't produce anything, man. It, like, it does. It helps her. It does. Because when she gets to, she then, I, I can't, I'm trying to remember how it unfolds. Helen dies, and then Julie 
goes to the fish docks to find Ray. And uh, Ray's like, yeah, come on. Well, I'll help you. And she looks at his boat. And the boat he works on is Billy Blue. The information we already had. It's like a complete non-starter. And then even at the very end of the movie. Well, no, because now you realize that it was Ray that went to visit Anne Heche. Right, but we don't need the second visit to get there. We can yeah, condense exactly. this shit. The only reason we're back there is because this movie is boring. We can find this out in, like, if we had more to do, if we had another set piece, if we had even, like, more interesting set pieces, we wouldn't need to, like, spend so much time on the plot, which there isn't enough of to spend that much time on. It's and crazy the, that this movie, even at, you know, it's 140, so it's just a little, little over. It's overly long. It, it makes me a little crazy. Um, hmm. I also like that once they figure, I mean, I like how angry it makes me, but they get to a point of like, oh, okay, we got it. It's the fisherman. So just anybody who's dressed like a fisherman, that's our guy. Now that we know it's Billy's father, or not sorry, Billy's father, but whatever. The, no, no, no. It's, no, it's just fisherman. that they're like on the hunt for anybody dressed as a, a fucking fisherman in a fish in a village. Slicker. I mean, they comment on that. They're like, this is a town where people wear slickers. Like, take so, your fucking pick. Give me more. This is what I'm saying. Like, let's have some fun with that. <laughs> They do in the in the parade, like you see all the slickers throughout the throughout the parade, right? Uh, so the fisherman who is doing all of this, <laughs> this is where shit gets really confusing because they don't like directly tell you what the fisherman did or, or, or who he is, but he uh, David Egan. The body that washed up on shore. Right. The fisherman's daughter was dating David Egan, and they were in a car wreck, killing the fisherman's daughter, and David survived. And so the fisherman goes to the cliffs that night to kill David Egan, but he's going to commit suicide anyways because he feels so guilty. And so while after dumping his body off the cliff, the fisherman is walking back when he gets hit by the kids, therefore starting this whole other revenge plot of getting these kids that left him to die. Hey, you know what? That's interesting. What if that's that was the, in the movie? Story. That is in the movie. It's, it's just, not, but like, dude. It is. <laughs> strong disagree. Like, it's in there, man. It's in there. It's Okay, it's in there. Right? We got to go looking for it. And we got, I don't know. I just think it's like poorly balanced. I think the bones are bad, you know? That's fine. I get it. It's, don't get me wrong. It's not like my favorite horror movie, but I do really like it. Uh, What do I like about it? Here's what I like. That I like by the end, the set pieces get better. You know, like the parade set piece is pretty good. I also like the boat set piece, but it goes on too long, you know, and is also, again, just dumb. I, you know, it's, it's dumb horror movie stuff, but it needs to be a little dumber. 
And I think Kevin Williamson is so self-serious that it, it, it wants – not that it even I don't think this movie takes itself seriously. What's that? I don't think this movie takes itself seriously at all. Like, the fa- you have Galecki's body disappear from a trunk that was filled with crabs in the middle of a suburban neighborhood. Magic. No one fucking saw it. anyone come up, take shit out, put shit in. you're uh, like underestimating the amount of trunks filled with ice in this fishing village you're just describing like not even an everyday occurrence you're describing like a a three times on every block occurrence every night when dad gets home from the fish factory too funny yeah (laughs) yep uh i should also say that I really loved this movie, especially as a kid, because my first like real celebrity crush was Jennifer Love Hewitt. Sure, it's a totally crush-worthy movie. The, the whole cast is super bangable, man. Totally. Ryan Felipe is like, like uncomfortably handsome, you know? Yep. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. walking around in those wife beaters and shit. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. He's um, an asshole though in this movie. Like the, he's, a fucking prick. I think he's really good, actually. At one point I early too. on, I had I wondered if we wanted to do a lead swap, you know, because I think Freddie Prince Jr. can maybe do the sort of dumb jockey thing a little better. But Although the, he's not the, the jockey guy. No, like, well... I don't see him as a jockey guy, really. He's like going pro quarterback, man. You know, that's his... Doc and she's all that? Oh, and right. you mean Freddie Prince? Oh, I'm sorry. You were talking about. I thought you said Prince was the jockey type. You said Felipe was, which he is. Yes. Right. In this. In my this fault. Treatment. My fault. Misheard. I just sort of mean like physically and energy wise, Freddie Prince can do the jockey thing. Although maybe I'm just projecting summer catch onto this performance. There you go. That's it. Um, but Ryan Felipe, like the anger that he finds when he's confronted with what he's done, is distressing you know what i mean and convincing you shut the hell up <laughs> right. him. he's good oh, yeah. man. that's a great line yeah yeah so I, I like that a lot i like i don't know like the well and then what what are you waiting for <gasps> sitting around with my arms to the sky and screaming it i wish it was all that over the top i wish that they didn't pull the energy down as I much i think as you're gonna did. like the second one more then because okay. it's, it's definitely campier. There's That's a what it lot is. I need some fucking camp, dude. I actually yeah, think I wrote need, that here. Need more I, camp? Yeah, legitimately. Yeah, here's, I, here's what I... This is the note, verbatim. It needs more stuff. The mystery isn't interesting or good, and everybody gets sidelined because of it, and we spend so much time on the artifice of show, and he's so satisfied with himself, and it's boring, and I hate it, and it's too Tony, it needs to be campy. End of sentence. That's my whole thesis of this episode in one, like, screed (laughs) rant of a note. Okay. Have you seen the second one? Um, Yeah, I have. I've seen them both. Like, I, and I... I'm being hard on this movie mostly just for fun, you know, to entertain myself. Because you hate Dawson's Creek. Because I fuck, <laughs> that's really what it is. I'm, I'm really <laughs> channeling my rage. You're absolutely right. I'm being unfair to this movie. You're projecting too Creek. much of that onto this, and it's really showing. 
Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> you know what? If you're going to call me out and force me to confront my own issues, I'm just going to value our friendship. So. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what would be a fun one to do for the podcast with Felipe and Geller, Sarah Michelle Geller? Uh, intentions? Yeah. Fuck That'd yeah, one. I like that movie an awful lot. Same, 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 same. Um, yeah, so I guess that's really all there is to say about... I got one more thing to say, and it's kind of a nice thing. I do really like the like metal cover of Summer Breeze that starts the movie. It reminds me of Puddle's Pity Party, but yeah, like puddles. metal. Yeah, Puddles isn't really metal. <laughs> no, but not voice. as much. I, I hear what you're saying with the voice. Yeah, and also just the sort of like super slow treatment of a familiar song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, um, like Lounge Against the Machine. I don't know the Lounge They did the, they're the, um, you know that cover of Disturbs the Sickness in, the, is it Dawn of the Dead? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. like swinging loud. So, anyways, is it Dawn of the Dead, the the mm-hmm. Snyder one, right? Yeah, it's one of the like spat of dead remakes. Either that one or one of the ones that followed. I think it's that one. Okay. Hmm. Um. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm just looking at some trivia to see if there's anything else to pull from. Okay, give me something because I don't hate this movie. I like. I just, but I did get really fucking bored through the second act and i think that's kind of sinful for a horror movie you know that for any movie we shouldn't be bored right but there are some movies that can tolerate it or need breath and even a horror movie right it's about tension and release but to just like it here's what it is this is a a bad mystery thriller that's been like had a a horror movie Frankenstein on top of it. And the Mm -hmm. horror movie, I actually like. The mystery thriller, I, you know, I don't see the need for this source material. It's one of those, obviously it's a situation where they had the rights, the option was gonna expire. Kevin Williamson is hot. Can you, let's get this fucking shit out this summer. Yeah. And good you know, whatever. I mean, like, I, I knew this one. There's nothing, like, no, like, real crazy cool fact, but, like, one, I do like this. Uh, uh, the opening shot of the uh, helicopter coming over the water to David Egan, obviously all done in one helicopter take. Mm-hmm. Uh, that part was shot in uh, Bodega Bay, like, up near, outside of San Francisco and Sonoma County. Uh and obviously the whole windy road that that's all in Northern California. And then the rest of the movie is actually filmed in Southport, North Carolina. Cause Kevin Williamson cannot help himself. Yeah. He will only ever tell a story about that shore community. Well, no, it's just this one. This is like, it's just this story teaching Mrs. Tingle. I don't think takes place in North Carolina. I would be shocked if it didn't, but I'll let's find out. Yeah, let, uh, let's see. Teaching Mrs. Tingle, originally supposed to be called Killing Mrs. Tingle, but because of Columbine, he right. had to change the title. Right. Oh, yeah, no, I, it doesn't even say 
really where just a hardworking, bright high school senior. I feel like they shot it in L.A. It looks like, re- remembering back on the movie, it looks like Pasadena. Uh, well, I mean, that tracks just, of course. Um, I mean, who knows? And I'm being too hard on the dude. Uh, getting back to I Know What You Did Last Summer, it's quality, like, teen fair, right? I, I'm going to agree with you. It's not his best right. I, I don't think he has written anything great past uh, Scream 1 and 2. Like, I do really love uh, Scream 4, which he came back to write, and you can tell it's got his very snappy dialogue. Uh, But, uh, yeah, really, like, this is, to me, a fun movie, but it's not, like, great writing. There's great lines in the movie, but it's not his best effort by any means. The best line in the movie is when Freddie Prince Jr. tells Jennifer Love Hewitt that high school sweethearts are the most successful of all relationships. And she tells him to cite his sources and he points to his heart. Yep. Yep. Sadly, they break up after that night. (laughs) (laughs) Um uh so uh, okay so what are you, we're gonna get into the movie later down the road when we do it but what are your feelings on the faculty uh i, I know you didn't like rodriguez but williamson wrote wrote it interesting um i remember i watched it i would say probably about five years ago is the last time i saw it yeah the last time i saw it in full for sure and like, I remember being genuinely entertained by it. Yeah, it's a great, like, teen creature feature that... Totally. Really I, I remember cool. liking a lot the inner... Like, when the monsters... Again, this is kind of a foggy memory, but, like, when the aliens, like, are not mask off, but, like, when the teachers and the students all know what's going on, but there's a few moments, like, at the party, I think, that are a lot of fun. I... You know, old memory. We'll get to it. Yep. I I don't think you mean a party, but I think you mean when they they're all together in Josh Hartnett's like lab garage, and they have to do the drug test to see if they are an alien. Yes. A direct reference to the thing. The thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. So okay, my (laughs) my strongest memory of that movie is from another movie which is my whole thing about kevin williamson where it's like okay it's good like that's i like that stuff i'm talking about i'm here talking to you about movies you know i love that shit but that that is not a character that's not a a, you know what i mean and i get it oh i can't wait till we get to the faculty all right 